0: You're listening to the 90-10 Rule, 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 Rule, we discuss rapping for a cause, maintaining relationships, using real life to create your story, and being an authentic artist. But first, this.
1: Them no know I don't want no coming to the place. I never tried to what we to do. Oh, say no They say money. It's the root of all evil. See, that is the lie that they tell to our people. Those rich motherfuckers, they think that we suckers. Like, we don't know what's going on. So we grind, either from selling the rock or we ball or we rap just to get off the block. If you young and you black, boy, you wanted by cops. See, they want to see us behind bars. So they tell us Bush was a hero the most, but he never meant nothing to me. Because he's straight up a racist. I'm saying it simple and blunt. motherfucking and Donald Trump. Hey, Bang. Bang. So I'm doing my thing and I say anything Cause I know that they still call us niggas when we ain't looking. No matter how much we win, they ain't gon' let us in, bitch Don't get me ride up, yeah Don't get me ride up, yeah Don't get me ride up, yeah young and don't give a fuck Don't get me riled up, yeah Don't get me ride up, yeah Don't get me ride up, yeah yeah, they say dealers, all the scums are today But Hove is a prime example in crime phase Fuck living off minimum wage. And fuck your job if they ain't giving you a raise. And my head hustling until they put me in my grave. You know when we get money, we don't know how to say. Hit king of diamonds, made that bitch hurricane. Took my ass cap check and blow it all on Jay. rebel in this bitch, they try but can't stop me. Jack and I swag, but me they can't copy. The cops violate, they always try knock me, we but fuck Babylon, take them handcuffs off me. Yeah, international bad man, old school like a cassette in a Walkman. Raised in the jungle like Tarzan, man down, ram papa pa, pam pam. Don't get me riled up, yeah. Don't get me riled up, yeah. Don't get me riled up, yeah. Young and don't give a fuck. Don't get me riled up, yeah. Don't get me riled up.
0: That was "Don't Give a Fuck" by Rock City. Here on the 9010 Rule. Young
1: and don't give a fuck.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the 90-10 Rule I am Kevin Davis And to my left, I've got my brother Brian Jennings What's up, man? What's going on, man? Hey, but you know what? Uh, today, listeners, to my right We got a lovely new addition That we do a lovely new addition, because I'm sure you, you heard my voice, you heard Brian's voice, but it's about time that we sprinkle in a lovely lady voice. <laughs> uh, our last week's guest, Crystal. Yes. How are you doing, mama?
3: I'm great.
2: Good to have you here. Thank
3: you. I so happy it.
2: you would join us.
3: Yes, yeah, just bringing a little estrogen to the testosterone with the ninety ten rule. Indeed, indeed.
2: <laughs> well, make yourself comfortable. Tell I us a little am. bit about yourself and kind of where, where you're coming from, so everybody know who's who.
3: Well, ironically, I remember you know we've we've all been friends for a long time and worked together. And I remember having a conversation with Brian and telling him that I would love to be a part of the show years ago. And then you know I know he did another show, and then he started this show, and I didn't know about it. Came to visit you guys a couple of weeks ago, had a great time, and it just the timing felt right. So well, there we are,
2: and you know what's weird too. Okay, here's things coming full circle because okay. when I when I met both Brian and Crystal, I was an artist. Yes. I auditioned. <laughs> <laughs> I auditioned for Chris. Matter of fact, and I don't know if you remember this, because the only thing she said my first audition was terrible. The only terrible. thing that she liked was my shoes. <laughs> <What
3: is that? laughs> terrible. I knew you were going to do that because you reminded me of that. Several times. <laughs> but I was, I'm so honest. At least you liked your shoes. I'm an honest person. I'm very honest. And I did have a conversation with him after the performance. I right. told you that. You know, I was trying to help. Right. 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 I don't know if he expected me to be honest, but I was honest.
2: No, it's it's, it's funny, especially going going years back. But I remember because <laughs> I was like, I drove from Nashville to come audition in Atlanta. It made me
3: feel bad now, right? <laughs> and
2: well, no, I had I originally was supposed to do one song that I knew well, had performed before, and. Could have knocked that easily out of the park mm-hmm. Instead I got nervous Decided I was going to go with the beat From the new producer Mm-mm. That was that I thought was hot And I was going to rap something That I had wrote like maybe a couple days ago And it
3: wasn't And had never performed before That was not the right I, That was right. not the right uh, decision Kevin Yeah well that was the day <laughs> I learned that Listeners you need to always audition
0: your best material something that you know is tried and true people have bobbed their heads to
2: it don't take a chance on an audition <laughs> hey man that, that shit got to my ego too man i got mad like
3: <laughs> I, feel I did cuz she told now me I all she like, it up to you i really feel bad about that you, you don't so owe sorry. me nothing. this she don't owe all me all these years later he I brings know. it up again he does and he did it to me <laughs> before this is like our third time <laughs>
2: <laughs> i had to yo cuz it's so funny man like i got mad and went back to my car like Oh, I came all the way down here and all about. she liked was my shoes. God damn it. How many miles is that, Kev? 200 <laughs> at least. At least a four, five hour drive. So through the mountains and everything. Right, right, right. So look, listeners, today we're doing it a little bit different. And
0: this is probably how our show is going to move forward from this point on. But um, we're about to do an interview uh, here. About um, today's
2: guest, you're talking about Monster Beast? Yeah. Yo, yeah. Marley's son from Chicago by way of Nashville, <laughs> Beast Mode Music Group. Is that who you're referring to? Yes <laughs> You see You see Thank you Crystal You know what She's my I'm scooting yeah, over just, I'm I'm, scoot, I'm go, scooting over here Scoot over that way, way. <laughs> <laughs> She you, She's just replaced you As my favorite Okay There you I'm go I'm second favorite And we'll talk later oh, Okay <laughs> <laughs> So Monster Beast What's up man
4: it's really good. Blessed to be here. Indeed, man.
2: Talk to us a little bit about Woke Up in L.A., man. Like, the single is is, is hot, it's everywhere. Tell us what's going on with that. Uh,
4: it's a song I really wrote about my first trip to L.A. Um, being a, a, a person that loves the marijuana game and, you know, wanted it to be legalized all over the country... Uh, I went down there in, what, 2011, 2012 for the All-Star Game, and my whole little story about my trip is in that song, so it's all real talk, meeting the director, uh, seeing fake booties on Fairfax, and all of that, you know, just everything, (laughs) so the song got picked up by my label when I got signed earlier this year as the lead single that they want to put, you know, real money behind. So we found the president and hit me and DJs through my manager, and he already had a, a previous relationship with him, and he works with Future directly right now and got 26 platinum plaques, including one for the Marshall Mathers LP. So we felt it's a good person to invest with as far as getting it on the radio and engaged in the market heavily, so... It's still in the middle of it, but it's, it's getting some traction
2: with Radio Spins right now, verified. Dig that. That's what's up, man. Congratulations on that. I'm, I'm sure that's going to continue to do well. I've known you for a while, so I've I've seen a little bit of your growth. But you said you just got signed earlier this year. So you, you've always been independent for the most part, right?
4: Thirteen years
2: independent, never giving up.
4: Yeah.
0: So so what made you decide to sign with the label? You know, this seems like the, these days everybody's doing DIY, everybody's going the other direction. Mm-hmm. What made you decide after 13 years to finally do that?
4: Well, it's, it was the, the situation I'm in and where I'm at, it felt right. And I actually was getting bread before the deal even was signed. So they let me know that they was investing in me regardless didn't want me to have to work a job. So I was able to quit my job before the contract was even hashed out. That's so when somebody invests in you like that, you go to church, ask God if it's real, and God says it's real, and go with them signs. That's what I did.
3: That's what's up I I have a question though And I I definitely can respect that Because you know When someone else Puts their money behind it And they're willing to invest in you You got to appreciate that You know And and that money And then the fact that They have those relationships Can also take you further But how do you feel like You can once you've signed, you being independent for as long as you have been. How do you feel like you'll be able to keep the integrity of the artistic integrity, they call it, of your project and not, you know, because I've been a part of labels, PR departments. And a lot of times they take away that thing that's made the artist dope and connect with their with their fan base. So how do you think you're going to stay true to that, but still allow their influence to help get you to the masses?
4: Well, they what they like me for is what I'm going to continue to do. Uh, i'm basically it's in my contract to continue to move the way i was moving and if i don't continue moving that way then there would be a problem mm-hmm. so the the creative aspect they let me do what i want to on that end and i'm really uh getting heavily into the like i say medical marijuana field with my music i had already started but now that I have connections within that field, it only makes more sense to continue going that route. And my fan base has grown through that field as well. So I can still go back and be a trapper, a, a lyrical genius, and still be a, a weed rapper at the same time.
3: You said you're a medical marijuana, um, like you represent that. What? Tell us a little bit about that movement and why that's important to you.
4: My mother had epilepsy. So I really... When I was growing up, I just knew in school they said don't do drugs, say no to drugs, and I actually won first in the nation in a, a essay contest that's called Uniting the World Against Drugs. And by me winning that, they gave me a plaque. I got written about in the magazine. This was fifth grade, and they gave me bulls tickets. I'm like in the twentieth row, so I saw the accolades from it. And my mother said she was gonna stop smoking weed. When around that same time. And I was trying to push her to stop smoking because I could smell it in the house. But I didn't know we helped people with epilepsy that had seizures. So as a kid, I'm ignorant and I just caught her smoking and I'm crying and all this stuff. And when I actually did my homework on the, the subject, I found out this is something that they've been using against us. You know, they really want to get money off of people using and selling weed when it's a real way to medicate yourself. So that's why I'm so heavily into it. And I just make fun music about it, but it's really a a serious matter.
0: And this is also one of your sponsors as well, right? Talk to us a little bit about the sponsorship.
4: I got a sponsor, uh, Golden Grizzly, uh, Golden Grizzly California on Instagram. They have a, a delivery service called New Leaf in Big Bear, California. Um, they make uh, edibles, and one of the edibles is called Nug Nectar. It's like a drink that is comparable to lean, codeine and but it's all weed-based. THC, CBDs, RSO, all of these things that are real medical and used in the medical field. So I could be fighting cancer while I'm while drinking my alternative to lean. I used to get two liters of real lean, I done been in the South. I done did that, you know, and that stuff has bad effects on you. This doesn't have that. It's actually curing stuff that I might not even know I got.
2: Well, it's weird to see how everything comes full circle. Like, for... Because I can picture you telling... Well, you telling me that story about how you caught your mom smoking and you had just written this essay and, and received this notoriety and things like that. And now... uh. Being in the position where you are Where you're promoting and and educating people About medical marijuana Like it's not only Not only am I advocating for it But I'm using it And then I've got a personal story Because it's uh, touched somebody in my family As close as my mother
3: I, I don't know why you don't talk more about it You know when you hear a, a hip hop artist say That they are you know Supporting marijuana you know It's kind of like Okay They expect Yeah yeah, They expect to smoke man Hip hop artists like to do it It's not always Done for medical reasons You know It's done because It makes me It makes my creativity go I know I know some People have said That it helps them Stay focused You know If they You know We put kids on Ritalin Right You know Quickly And then there's some people That say it helps them To actually be able to like Focus Or it may You know Help their ADD Or whatever
4: Yeah Calm me down. People don't know. I'm I'm a hyper individual. I got a real bad temper, but people, I told somebody that, they was like, I never knew that. I said, because I'm always high. I'm always <laughs> high. I come to work high. I went to my interview high. I worked every day high. I went on lunch and got high oh, every day. God.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 13 years as an independent artist. I know, I know you have some knowledge to drop to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about that journey, man. When, you know, from starting out to to going ahead and signing this deal you're in now. What was that like?
4: Wow. Uh 03 is when I really jumped in head first. I was going to school. I went to school for at Columbia College in Chicago for a music business. I wanted to finish, but they stopped giving me financial aid. So I took what I learned and I decided to manage my group, which was my first cousins. They all like, you the biggest one, you went to school. They gonna notice you first when you walk in the door because I'm 6'2", six, 6'3", two, six, 280 pounds. You know, they gonna see me. So they like, you the manager. So I was thrust into that position and being an artist at the same time. We, man, we sold 10,000 copies. First summer when we dropped a, a mixtape, well, album. This was in 2004, though.
0: Through what channel? How did you sell them? Just out the trunk?
4: In the streets, out the mm-hmm. trunk, in stores, online. We didn't have no control over that part because we actually did get a little garbage deal between two independent labels. But we felt good about just being able to buy our own CD for $3 and sell it for 10 mm-hmm. Right back in 2004, and we lived off of that. And it was like, if we could go somewhere warm, we could sell these CDs all year round and make real money. So we moved from Chicago to Nashville. That's how Kevin know me. So we went from there to Nashville, trying to put out our second project. One of my cousins got locked up, got raided. So I started doing my solo writing. I hadn't put out a solo project yet until 2010. So I'm in a group situation. We put out our second album when my cousin got out of jail. And I just saw that everybody wasn't wasn't focused on it as much as me. Everybody wasn't investing as much as me. I was never able to quit working a job and support my kids and pay a car note and pay bills through just music or my connections with music. Now that's what's happening. I got you know, it's like these sponsors are endorsements. I feel like an athlete. Each company that get attached to my name, they got a way for me to make some money or they saving me a whole lot of money. I'm sitting here with one of my sponsors right now, Project West Photography, who does a lot of my documentary work and takes a lot of my pictures that you see online.
2: So yeah, so matter of fact, talk to us a little bit about that. Like the artist slash manager period of time. What do you feel like you you learned during that period that set you up for what you're doing right now?
4: I just learned that building relationships is worth more than anything. That will that can change your life overnight. If somebody believe in you and you know they they can relate to you over a period of time that you never know what position they may get in and think about you like, oh man, my dog mouse it's perfect for him. So I just kept in touch with people like me and you. We might not talk every day, but we still got each other on some type of social media. I still got your email. I still got you saved on my phone. It's muy bueno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Kevin Davis now, but I just left that so I can remember that's how long ago I knew him. You know what I'm saying? I could call him that, and he know I knew him from that period. Yeah. So, it's them, them, them seven years when I was in the artist manager position. It's just relationship building, man. I, that's the main thing, and I, I would tell anybody to, if you find somebody that can possibly help you in any certain way, keep them on the line. See how they doing. If they got kids, ask about their kids. Don't just let it be music because people can smell bullshit a mile away if you just want to use them. I actually, people, these people that I got behind me, we look at each other like brothers. We care about each other. It's not just because I'm dope at rapping and they got a service that they can provide. me.
2: Right, right. And, and you know what? Now that I think about some of the relationships that I've had with different artists, um, those that have, those that have built a relationship with me on a human level, those are the ones I still talk to. Those are the ones that I still be like, yo, what's going on, da-da-da. You ain't doing no music? Ah, man, we'll come through. You know what I'm saying? It, it be We have that type of relationship. The the ones right. that I know that were like, yeah, man, you know, this is music only, and da-da-da, you know, we don't do nothing else. It's like, okay, so yeah, we communicate on music, If you in the room or is relevant or, you know, something is current. But otherwise, I'll I'll hear from them guys. You know, today, with it being so direct to
0: consumer um, and direct to customer, um, talk a little about what ways you engage your fans. You know, tell us a little bit about the the process that you use to keep your fans excited and keep them engaged.
4: Oh, so many. Um, The close ones, they actually are in my phone. I could text and call them. The ones that I actually respect their opinion, I can I consider them like my A and R's. They might not get paid, but they get music first, they get T shirts, they get free shows. And these are fans. Stuff like that. You interact with these them? are okay. I in that fact with my close, close fans direct on the phone. They got my phone number. They can call me if they dog that. Okay. Um, and that's like a hundred people or something like that. But when you get to the thousands, them people are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I just put out stuff for them, to, a constant, constant content. Posting on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook every day has literally kept my fan base growing. Just constant content, even if it's just how I'm feeling today uh, or posting a little picture from a photo shoot or the email blast that I do from my own MailChimp account uh, to my website. It's just so many different ways, but it's all through my iPhone. I don't even have a laptop. I ain't had one. But I've had an iPhone since they first came out, so I use it like a laptop. And I got over 1,600 contacts on my phone, so I hit up DJs when I drop a single. It's like I'm a—I I'm a, learned how to— how the machine might work if I had enough people and I'm still growing to that amount of people that will be working directly for me but until then and I got the budget to pay everybody I'm still doing a lot even though I'm saying. Right. I still run it like an independent because people appreciate that genuine thing. They don't want their stuff coming from MP3 Wax and all these other services that they get blasted from. They appreciate it coming directly from me.
0: And, and, you know, that, that, that is doing a lot, even though you're still you're already signed. But that kind of goes into my next question. I know after all these years you've been doing it now, um, you know, you have a lot of good stories. What have the sacrifices been like? What sacrifices have you made to be where you are now?
4: All my, uh, you know, romantic relationships, uh, you know, serious uh, relationships where I could have been married. My, my kids, mothers, put it like that. I didn't have enough time for them. Uh, I was chasing what I was trying to get to now, like to be able to take care of my family through the music. They didn't, I mean, they told me they believed and my first baby mother is probably still one of my biggest fans, but I wasn't there enough. I didn't call enough when I was gone. It was the same thing with the second one. (laughs) So I'm not married because I was, my music is my soulmate. Right. And I got a project called Soulmate that explained that, like, on live mixtape. It, that's the biggest sacrifice I could say. I probably would be a married man happily at the house, but I wouldn't be happy because my music wouldn't be out there where it need to be. So it's like, I have to pick. And God told me this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I just had to go with the signs of what God told me.
0: I feel that, man. Well, woke up in L.A. Tell us how we can buy the the single.
4: It's on iTunes and everywhere else that you buy music. It's on Spotify. Um, It's on my website, monsterbeast.com. Everywhere. Um, It's definitely on the radio stations to Columbus, Georgia, um, Detroit. You can record any media-based radio station basically. Um, you know, they got the little playlist or if you don't see the artist, you can put the artist's name in
2: there So Dig that Well, matter of fact, let's let's take a second and go ahead and play the record real quick, man So, matter of fact, Moss, you want to introduce it? Yes, sir Everybody
4: uh, waking up in L.A. for Chalice Festival Everybody that was down there for BET Y'all know the feeling Woke up in L.A. by your boy Moss the Beast Beast Smoke LA, pancakes, cheese,
5: egg, steak, flat chick, rollin' my thing. Car service, taking me to the bank. I woke up, LA, pancakes, cheese, egg, steak, flat chick, rollin' my thing. Car service, taking me to the bank. Soon as I woke up, you know we did it. She rolled up and then we hit it. Got breakfast and then we split it. I'm gone car service to the bank just to get my checkup deposit i had to pick up the next show i got to rip up open up the door and i'm headed to the teller Fan stopped me handed me a love letter said she want an autograph name marcella told me i reminded her j rockefeller took a ig pick i was glad i met her now it's time for another good time cigarilla steaming on the way out to a meeting with a homie out of hollywood got a nigga with a new director and he talking plenty cash. Hit them all, I seen some ass. Hit more grass, then I laugh. As you ball out on that pass. This is the life I love. Palm trees up in the air. Bad bitches everywhere. No draws like they don't care. I blow, in LA, pancakes, cheese, egg, steak. flat chick, rolling my thing, Car service, taking me to the bank. I woke up in LA, pancakes, cheese, egg, steak. flat chick, rolling my thing, Car service, taking me to the bank. OG up in the air, smoking like it's 420. I got a gun, I rolled it up. I like that bitch with honey. Got coochie with no money. My mouthpiece, all I'm paying. I seen a dick chick in a Party in my and she saying Look I'ma let you get up in it cause I know you hard The only rapper that I know without nobody God I go so hard I got these chickens tryna sweat me out They get that detail two or three of their friends they tryna set me out They know I'm rolling up like I'm a long and high times Woke up feeling fine Smoking pain that top of the line Never sipping wine I just grinded when I'm chilling woke up a thousand never but to tomorrow trying to touch a million I woke up in LA pancakes cheese eight steak fatty roll the money conservance taking me to the bank I woke up in LA pancakes cheese eight steak fatty roll the money conservance taking me to
2: the bank I got to I got to switch gears a little bit right so check So while the record was playing I looked down at my phone And I'm seeing all of the I-, I hate that I even pulled up social media man But Man cause I'm looking at the video Like this just happened This just happened I'm looking at the video I'm seeing ooh, sh- ooh Yo This have, have you seen Have you seen Have you seen the first video Or you seen the second one I saw
4: the video of somebody in that car next to the situation that was happening where he got tackled, Alton Sterling. And um, I saw the second one where it was like clear as day. Somebody was like right there. Yeah, where like that was right, a camera right outside the oh stove. Oh, my God. You see God. his chest like a pool of blood and his arm raise up after he, while he dying. His nerves, you seeing his last little strength leave his body like I
3: can't I can't I cannot watch that. So how do you feel as an artist like you know I I've, I've seen I you know like uh Kevin I've looked in at, at um social media and I saw that uh the game said something. He I mean he put up he went in a little bit and I actually agree with him. He was just like, you know, we can't just keep putting hashtags and stuff. We got to do something and then Drake made a statement. But how do you feel as an artist? Do you feel like um that, you, that artists have a responsibility to be a voice when things like this happen?
4: Yeah, we can, but it's a touchy situation. Um, as an artist, I feel like we can go on social media let people know we know we don't think it's right. That's the first step. But what can we do to help this man, kids? What can we do to stop this from happening? And that's a bigger problem than any artist. We're not in a position to really make that stop. Like, we can't put guns in everybody's hands and say if this police pull out a gun, shoot the police.
3: We can't. Do You think artists sometimes are, that's probably who people are listening to, though, and I definitely get it. It's a bigger thing than just music artists, but I do think that that especially hip-hop, hip-hop sets trends, you know what I mean? And I think people I think people in the hood are listening more to hip-hop than they are to Jesse Jackson or even... Can you listen to Jesse Jackson? I don't think <laughs> so. Or Al Sharpton or now Jesse Williams. I mean, I don't think those people... I, th- I think the younger generation connects more with their artists. Not saying that artists have the answer, but at least they can, you know, incite young people to action. I think, you know, if... If hip-hop artists weren't supporting President Obama, I'm not saying he wouldn't be in office, but I think that definitely got people out to vote. I think that young people went out to vote, and they were excited about it, because you have Jeezy, and you see Jay-Z at the White House. Like, that's huge, you know what I mean? So I I think that, you know, you you guys do have a lot more influence than it would seem, probably, you know?
4: This is true, and... Like I I believe we need to have, a, you know, self-destruction and stuff like that. When I was a kid, I remember them moments when they came together and said we all in the same gang and all that type of stuff. And it did kind of help. But I think, and you're right, Fits, uh, Farrakhan said it. Y'all rappers got more followers than these church priests and pastors and reverends and deacons. So he he really invested time into the the hip hop community and and trying to give us that wisdom that we may need. And I do feel like I'm I'm really uh, a Martin Luther King, Malcolm X voice type figure through music. Like I knew I was going to be a public speaker at an early age. I didn't know it was going to be through rap. But I knew I had that type of voice where people will, I can command attention and, and people will actually listen. So I, I know if I make, it's kind of scary because I'm a big Tupac fan. And mm-hmm. yes, I know that music can change lives and like turn you from one thing to the next. So I feel like if I make them type of songs and I, I do get, I do have some music like that. It's just waiting for the right time to come out. But them type of songs that I would make might start a revolution, a riot, uh, something that would make people look at us and, and, you know, get more people shot. It's <laughs> yeah. scary. It's, 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 it's that messed up. Like, I'm from Chicago. I know what it's like to live in a war zone. I know what it's like to have to go outside with a gun every time you go outside. It's It's... And it's getting to that point with the police, not just people in your neighborhood.
2: I I think what's uh, what catches my attention in particular about this, I mean, they always try to every time there's been one of these uh, killings there, they try to justify it and say, oh, this person was doing this. Oh, this person was doing that. Well, this time around, the guy was selling CDs out out front of a, a corner store. And, I mean, you just got through talking about how you sold CDs. And, I was that And cat. you lived on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You lived on I remember being an independent artist and running up on people and selling my CDs at stores and outside the clubs and different parking lots and running up on people at the red lights and so on and so forth. Like, so it already hits home because I'm a black male, but it double does so in reference with uh, being an independent artist. Like, fuck.
4: Yeah, it's it's ugly, because I I posted, like, that could have been my brother. That could have been my best friend. Matter of fact, he the same stature as me. So I know the police look at me just as scared as they looked at him.
3: So what do you do? Because I I heard you say your stats, you're a big guy, and you know that. You know that people look at you and feel like okay, if a police officer pulls over a person that you say you're six two, yeah. six two, and you know it's two hundred pounds, as opposed to somebody that's maybe five six or five seven, you probably are already aware that the the energy is going to be different, right? So how do yeah. you de- How do you deal with that? Like as a as a man, because we were, we were actually having this conversation before um, before the show started, like. As a man, how do you automatically prepare yourself to to de-escalate and make a police officer feel like you're not a threat? Or do you even think about stuff like that?
4: I definitely think about stuff like that. Growing up in Chicago, they was quick to pull a trigger too. It just wasn't no social media to post it. So we heard them stories about people getting shot in. My parents taught me how to be respectful and if you got to call it, being a little punk or whatever the hell, I'm living. So you just got to know how to talk to people. It's the same way as building your your, your relationships in the music industry. You got to talk with respect. You're you not in a position to demand no respect. You got to know that you they bitch at the moment, pretty much. And you just got to let them do what they need to do so you can get your ass home. So when the police pulled me over, being a six-two, six-three black male that looked like I played in the NFL with dreads, looked like I got a gun, looked like I sold all the drugs in the world, I just talked to them the way that they would not expect me to talk to them. How you doing, sir? Yes, sir. No problem. Here you go. Here's my license. Yes, sir. No, sir. Sir, after every word, after every response letting them know that my parents taught me how to survive out
2: here. And That's it's all you can do. It's, it's crazy that it, it comes to that, that you have to, like, because we were talking about this before the show, like, there's, there's a certain element of manhood that won't swallow being disrespected in that fashion. Like it's it's one thing to be called a uh, uh, called a dirty name or somebody to flip you off for you know driving crazy or whatever on the highway, but when particularly in dealing with police, like I've seen, I, I've seen uh, I think Lil Wayne did it before, where he got on stage and was talking about, yeah, I'm Lil Wayne, da 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 da, da I fuck the police, da 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 da, and then got on on his tour bus. Uh-huh. And was surprised Oh shit The tour bus got pulled over And like that's one of the things That I, I think artists Really need to understand Because everybody wants to go on tour And sell out a, a, a coliseum or whatever Which sounds great But when you in someone else's city You really do have to Do at quote unquote And I, I hate that phrase But as the Romans do you know what I mean? You have to respect those laws. Like even even Snoop Dogg has talked about how he travels and certain in certain areas, he kind of got a little pay of respect to the OGs in that area just so he get a pass to be able to move on. Is, is that something like what you've experienced?
4: Yeah. I mean, and that's why I barely use my hotel rooms. I'm going out there, going to not trying to put myself in danger but that's how you touch the people. And they gonna respect you and give you that respect because you came through they hood. You smoked with them. You talked to them. You listened to they hottest rapper. Tupac did that. I took them notes from Tupac. They said he was loved because he went in people house parties. He didn't go to the big after party. He went to people houses and Tupac is in the house party. Oh my God, that's me. So you got to get that respect to them OGs. And, and that's better. It's easier to do that than to respect the police because they out here killing niggas. But these niggas that we go or, you know, people, neighborhoods we go into, they, they kill us too. So it's kind of, again, it's it's almost like walk on a parallel line. But I don't like the police. I'm cool with a lot of street dudes. I don't like no police.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Moss, we hate to end you on uh, such <laughs> a, a sour note, but shout out <laughs> shout out your social media and Woke Up in L.A. and how to get it again.
4: Moss Beast on Twitter. Moss, a.k.a. Marty son on Instagram. Uh, monsterbeast.com. uh You can get my music more than just Woke Up in L.A. on all digital outlets. I'm on Google Play, iTunes. And if you don't feel like spending money, Feel free to go listen to me on Pandora. I got two channels, Monster Beast and Marty Son. My Marty Son is strictly on the the MMJ fans, medical marijuana people. But I really appreciate this opportunity to let my voice be heard and my music get out there. I I think what y'all doing is a a great thing for the community and the music world at the same time. So keep doing what y'all doing.
3: I really liked hearing about the medical his medical marijuana story and why he's a champion for that. I thought that was right. really cool. I wasn't expecting that either. I really wasn't. Like I was pleasantly surprised, and I think that, I think that with artists, you know, finding a niche and finding a platform that's different, I think that could really be be big for him in a in a more commercial sense. I don't know if that's the direction of their project, but I think that. Being able to speak to it from a personal place connects with people. So I love the fact that he used that example of his mom. Like I really hope he gets that story out to more people.
2: I, I agree. Um, there's so much. There's 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 so much opportunity in hip hop and, and out of rappers that I think most people don't. Or even rappers themselves try to uh, marginalize themselves And stay within of the... They try to stay within the stereotypes
0: Follow Mr. Me Too
2: Yeah, yeah Like, I mean, if you smoke weed, you smoke weed But... And I could think of a ton of rappers that are talking about How high they get or how much gas they got with them or whatever But... Not too many actually have something of substance to say that, yeah, my mom was having epilepsy right. and you know this is what she used to smoke to help calm her down. Mm-hmm. But
0: that, but that's almost, I don't want to say unfair, but in a sense it is. I think that that's what, how? that's what makes an artist, but every artist doesn't have a story like that. And I'm saying that maybe those yeah. people shouldn't be artists.
3: No, I think everybody has a story. You just have to tap into it. I think everybody has, and that's one of the things that, you know, I've, I've always tried to do from a public relations perspective is to get people to find out, you know, one of my clients had, saw her father try to kill her mother. So she obviously had a passionate platform for domestic violence. Another one's sister died from lupus. All of us have stories, you know, and it's, even if they're not as extreme as that, we all have something in us that pulls us or that drives us. And I think that, it's the the rule, the role of those that are close to the artist that kind of help them tap into that. So I don't think he's unique. I think that he just it's unique in that he's chosen to be, you know, vocal about what was going on. Because I think most who doesn't have a story, who hasn't dealt with something, even if it's just coming from a a, a, a dysfunctional family, you know, and and that being a part of their. Platform to try to help other kids that come from families like that Everybody has a story, you know, it's just about I think true artists, he mentioned Tupac You know, Tupac was a great example of someone that spoke from his passion And I think that's why we love him, you know
2: Yeah, but Pac was also real, like he was authentic And he wasn't afraid of being himself And I feel like a lot of artists are they're terrified of someone actually seeing what they're, what, what they're like When the stage lights are on Or when the beat's not on You know what I'm saying? When they actually have to There's so many rappers that really can't talk Right. To be honest with you They can't even talk Unless you put a beat Under what they have to say Nobody wants to hear them Right You know what I mean So in, in some regards I don't necessarily I don't fault An artist for Kind of being scared To speak up it that way But being real I don't respect it either
3: I think it takes courage to do that, but I, th- I think real artists are people that are not afraid of that, are able to be courageous when they really step into who they are. And I think we talked a little bit about this when I was on the show before. It's like those artists that are, are in touch with themselves, because you can really only create art from a truthful place. Real art comes from a very truthful, transparent place. So even if you're only able to get that out in your music, I think that's what separates the real artist from the created artists are people that are willing to really art. Usually it comes from pain. It comes from a, mm. you know, a place of conflict. So the ones that don't have that, in my opinion, are not true artists. You know, a lot of times they're contrived or people may think they could be a commercial success, but the ones that, that live with you, their, their music goes on past the point of their, of their demise. I mean, Whitney Houston is a great example. I don't care what Ever is said about her legacy, her her music, who she was, was so much bigger than her, her you know, her her faults and her flaws. And so I think that's just a real artist, you know, even though she, yeah. to, a, to a point she was contrived. So I, I think that probably, in my opinion, is what separates a real artist from a fake artist is that real artists really create from a place of transparency.
2: It- and, and you know what? I think that's also one of the things that holds a lot of artists back is is because they feel like they have to live up to this standard, um, but also they spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money and other resources in trying to make themselves look like more than who they are when they could really just be themselves. Just like, like yo, just be the fuck you. It's mm-hmm. okay. And, and, and I know that that is... That's not always the I guess from a commercial standpoint That's not always the most profitable especially Profitable if you, Especially if, you standpoint. Du- if you're dusty <laughs> Right like If the real you is dusty That's not a good look Yo, but rap for the dusty niggas Run it <laughs> Yo Ain't that what Biggie did Biggie said Yo I'm fat black And, and ugly as, as ever. ever Right Yes Man they put a coogi on that nigga And gave him some cologne And all of a sudden He was a sex symbol
3: She was weird as fuck But it worked I don't ever yeah. really <laughs> think He was a sex symbol <laughs> sim- But I agree with Kevin, what Kevin is saying He right. did Women like I mean it's kind of like Rick Ross There was a big um, You know MMG weekend here in Atlanta And I saw pictures Of um, Rick Ross With no shirt on I was disgusted by those pictures, but (laughs) a lot of people were not. A lot of people see that, but the only way you will see that is sexy. If you see a fat dude in the hood, that is not sexy. But when someone owns, you know, owns up to who they are, I think people, confidence is sexy. And I think the thing about Pac is that he had, his foundation was rooted in self-confidence. You know, he had a upbringing that taught him to be proud of who he is. And I think a lot of the, Artists that are coming up now, there's no sense of pride. I mean, I don't, you know, you don't see that. So I think it's very. It takes a lot of courage to be yourself. You know,
2: I think also the the sense of self, like in especially in 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 terms of business, if you don't know who you are, then when this industry starts to bring uh, certain things to you. If you don't know who you are You'll yeah. buckle No mm-hmm. limits
0: mm-hmm. Oh yeah
2: No limits Everything you ever wanted Is now At your disposal Available yeah Yeah immediately Women Drugs Money Cars Alcohol Whatever it is that you want Is readily available And yeah It's like your dreams Can easily become your vices
3: Right Absolutely I love that Say that again Kevin
2: I'm gonna put on a t-shirt
3: <laughs> so, so no Rick Ross crystal
0: What about Bone Crusher He used to do that too
3: he, he he did he was, um, I
0: think he was pretty comfortable With who he was though He was very comfortable And that made his show Be a little bit more exciting Because of that Because you didn't See there was no fakeness It was no mm. It's just
3: who I am up. This is who I am Here's all of the pounds And you can take it or leave it And I think people I think even I've even heard You know People say with women A lot of times Women are investing money And trying to do Fake this And fake that And a lot of times If a woman comes into a room And she's You know Maybe not the Standard beauty size But she has confidence You know People are drawn to that Oh hell yeah, yeah. I don't know if they Pe- want to date it But
2: Well people People make fun of, uh, of fat people Or whatever mm-hmm. And maybe I shouldn't even be Using the term fat but You should I mean we you know What we're talking about You mm-hmm. should Yeah we should But but with with bigger women i know they always want want to be sexy like the skinny girls or whatever but the the big women that have confidence Ain't trying to be what skinny women are. Right. They
3: always have a man too. I'm not. <laughs> Yo, Jill <laughs> Scott just got married. Hey, Jill Scott is not really fat. She's she just thick. Not. That, I would that's marry not- Jill Scott. Let of me course, just be real. Every man that you know, i But today. I'm saying, no, the average sister that's a size 16 in the hood, 16 to 18, 22, them chicks always have a man. I don't know if it's because they're cooking. I had a girlfriend that's a doctor, and she said that a fat girl was gonna come in the in, the, in to see the doctor. And she's going to have her boyfriend with her. He's going to be holding her hand, sitting next to her. And, and you know, all the little cute girls that have spent the hours in the gym and getting the fake stuff, they're going to come in there single crying about, you know, their eggs need to be saved. The fat girl's eggs are good. <laughs> I'm saying. I am telling you, our people, <laughs> we all must take a lesson right. from the, the, the very, very secure... Confident. Confident black woman that says, Hey, I'm a size twenty-two. My cousin, I will I'm gonna tell you guys this and we can move on. I went to see my cousin a couple of weeks ago in Ohio, and we went we went out, and I'm not trying to put her business out there, but you know, my cousin is, is she's she's a little chunky, you know, and she said, Well, that's okay. They like this sweet meat. They know it's sweet meat under here and they like it. And they and they keep looking at it because they can't stop. And I don't know if it was true. Or she thought it was true, but by the end of the night, people were looking. So I think take a note from the chunky black woman and be confident in yourself.
2: And hey, you know what? Let, <laughs> let me Absolutely, I, I agree with you, but I'm going to take it a step further because I feel like one person's confidence becomes another person's gimmick. Mm. Like when Rick Ross takes his shirt off, mm. I know he ain't doing it for me, but there's a fat guy that's out there that's like, okay, when I get on stage, I'm going to mm-hmm. take my shirt off because that's what people are into now.
3: But it's not going to work for him because right. he's not going to take it off with the same zhuzh that that Biggie or that, that, that Bone Crusher or Rick Ross took it off. Rick Ross took it off and it's not even fat anymore. It's just slush because he lost the weight and it's all slid down. But so <laughs> if you, can, if you you have to take it off In the spirit of You have to be transparent People have to see That's really you If it's a fat girl That's faking like she's cool But she really wants to lose weight It's not going to work Yeah but is authenticity Important anymore? Like, I think it is For long term Not for short term What about Drake? Oh, don't do that! Don't do. What do you know mean? What, what about People Drake? People constantly oh, Drake. Be coming for Drake.
0: I'm, I'm not coming for Drake. I'm just coming com- for Drake. I'm just putting man. The, the facts out there. He doesn't necessarily write his own material. But you like him. I thought you would have been on that's the side. What it like, is. No, no, I like Drake. I like Drake as an artist. What he I'm saying. He writes
3: the majority of his own material. Just because he referenced something does not mean that he doesn't write his own material. I don't know about that. Either Who writes the, their the, own the jury, material? The jury, exactly. But what I'm saying, that's
0: what I'm saying, is Authenticity even a thing anymore. Raekwon would never let another person write uh, one of his verses. He also didn't have his many songs ain't never on the radio being a
2: thing.
3: But but okay. But we're talking about the sheer number of songs. Raekwon also did not have the numbers that Drake has. So in order for you to get you got a, to a certain level of success, you have to have assistance. It's kind of like if someone asked me, Crystal, are you doing PR? Authentically, yes, but I may have a senior account exec that does something for me. That doesn't mean that it's not under my leadership and under my guidance, and it's still authentic to the brand. Right, but
0: okay. I, I think the hip hop was a different animal. It was started from a different in a different way, and you know the the jury's still out on that as well. You know, there were in the beginning there were dudes wearing tight leather outfits rapping, and the very first rap song that got published was
3: somebody else's song. So I mean. Maybe the history is not as authentic as we would like to believe. Right, but right.
0: there are guys out on the street ready to die for the authenticity. Meek Mill killed really. his career. Over that. <laughs> I'm just playing. He didn't kill his career. No, he took a gamble. He, he, he took
3: he, a shot. He did. He, he, he took it wasn't a gamble. it wasn't from a place of him wanting hip hop to remain authentic. It was a place of jealousy. You don't think? It was from <laughs> no. a place of jealousy.
2: <laughs> no, meek Me- was beating Me- him wasn't out. even talking with bass in his voice.
3: Meek is for the culture. He not for the culture? No. Nah. It's not for the culture. <laughs> That's not what that was. <laughs> it's not for the culture. No. We reject that Meek. Yeah. We saw you coming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think now is there is it not true Joe Budden is going back and forth? Joe Budden going? came
3: for Drake. I did see yeah. that it was a pretty good one. At least from people, the response, I didn't get a chance to listen to it yet.
2: Well, I mean, Joe's a killer though. He's got he's got lyrics. Yeah, isn't? Joe got bars. I think it's gonna be a nice little beige battle. I'm <laughs> looking like forward it. to it. I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm here for it. I think that that's to me, that's what hip-hop really needs is that element,
0: the
3: LL. Kumo D element—that was what the element it. that doesn't go to killing in the streets, right? And, as you know, Kumo D and LL are both still here, so <laughs> right. Some more than others. <laughs> LL more so than Kumo D, right? I don't, but you know what? I don't think it went to
2: like there were always battles in hip hop, but I don't think it went to actual deaths until like Biggie, Pac and, Biggie. and Pac, yeah.
3: yeah, And was that really because of Biggie and Pac, or was that because of the influence the periphery. that was the? Per- I think it was the periphery. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if, if Shook Knight hadn't been involved, it never would have went to that place anyway.
0: The world may never know.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately.
3: Nobody cares enough to uncover the, the, the truth. No, I think the truth No, is I think jail. the truth's
2: already mm-hmm. been uncovered, but... People
3: have just turned a blind eye and covered it back
2: up. I mean, yeah, well, it's... America right now, man, bothers me because there's no... There's there's no respect for there's no respect for facts there's no respect for science there's no respect for what things authentically are it's just it's my opinion and I'm offended at your opinion mm-hmm. and I got more followers right and it, yeah it's basically mm-hmm. become a, a shouting contest you know those that scream the loudest are the ones that seem to walk away with some sort of victory or or just yeah, I don't know. But
3: but I think that I I really believe and you know guy, I believe perception is reality, but I I truly believe that real outlasts you, real is undeniable. So I think when you know, we can all be thrown off by the Instagram followers and the 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 Snapchat audience that's you know at this place. But at the end of the day, something that's real talent, it's going to outlast and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna it's it's there's no such thing as a a time stamp on it. You know what I mean? But I think when things are fake, yes, they can get commercial success for a moment, they can blow up, but I don't think there's substance to it. It doesn't it doesn't last. You know, so I think at the end, and I think as an artist you have to really be Committed, if you're in this for something that's long-term And you think this is a calling on your life You have to make the decision to be willing to stay the course It's not a sprint at all You know, it's called cross-country all day So, you know, if you really want a career that you can make money off of That that can sustain you You have to be willing to make short-term decisions that support your long-term vision Did you guys get that? You need to write that down Yeah, yeah (laughs) short-term decisions that support your long-term vision.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And but I know we get as artists we we are emotional. We get mm-hmm. caught up in what's happening right now. We hear what uh other people say. Um a lot of times we we don't even have to go looking for stuff. Like it comes to you. Like drama comes to you. Problems come to you and at that point, you have to make an you i'm I'm getting so caught up in my words here because I want to choose them correctly because it's like you have to be able to make a sound decision that is void of all of the other influences, and it's tough it's tough for you, especially as an artist when when you are the center of attention And a lot of times you just need a, need some space to think Need some time to breathe You gotta clear everybody And people think that's being a diva Or you know you're a superstar or whatever But sometimes you do Get everybody the fuck out of the room Let me just think I remember like I heard stories about Tupac How he would go in the booth and write And just just stay in the booth and write I don't want to hear Nobody else's jokes Yeah Yeah, I don't give a fuck about that You ain't got to pour me a drink Or pass me the blunt Let me just go in the booth Shut out the rest of the world And think And gather my thoughts And That don't happen a lot of times With rappers A lot of times They just want to Nowadays I'm hearing people Want to just freestyle yeah, I'm gonna just freestyle my way through an entire album. Yeah, well, that's. Oh, we don't want
3: you to do that. You're not Jay Z. Hey,
2: I, I mean Jay Z don't do it. Don't he tell you you he do it exactly. But, you know, and he doesn't do it in one take. No,
3: and, and we, really, I think that was just a hot line for one want...
2: song, and niggas ran with it. But you know,
3: hey, well, listen, we're, we're back here. next week. Man. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. Right, <laughs>
2: Hey, you know, JB listening to these shits too, man. <laughs> I'm saying.
3: We may not be here next week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, Brian got a visit, (laughs) and um, that's it, y'all.
0: Listeners, we really appreciate you tuning in once again to the 9010 Rule, and we'll see you next time. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.